0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The wait is over.
2: The shy returns with new episodes on Paramount plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get Walk right up to the side.
1: A new rain is coming to the South side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus.
2: Yes! Welcome into to the Autzen Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Skopel, Jared Mack. We kind of said we were going to be back on Wednesday, but Monday night turned into a, a deal where we needed to, to do another podcast. So we still plan to have a pretty important guest on Wednesday, plus more talk later in the week on signing day's re- final results. But leading into that we're going to dive into the news that hit monday night oregon added two more transfer commitments from the portal following the conclusion of monday's podcast and the first one uh we're going to start with was the second known public commitment and it's probably maybe it's not maybe the most impactful one but it's right there if, if it's not and it's Dante Moore of UCLA, former five star quarterback, uh, former top five player in the country um, at one point during the 2024, 2023 recruiting class, a one time Oregon commit, basically a year ago today, almost he was still an Oregon commit. And then he flipped to UCLA, played a nine games, started five uh, for the Bruins before he got benched second half of the season. Uh, he's, he's now an Oregon Duck. And the unthinkable kind of has happened in today's day and age of every athlete, not every athlete, but a lot of these athletes want to play right away and to get them to come into a situation and wait is very hard to do. And somehow Dan Lanning has convinced Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel to, to transfer to Oregon to be their starter in 2024. They'll say that there's a competition. It's his job. Uh, And then he's somehow convinced Dante Moore to wait a year and to develop and to then compete for the job at Oregon in 2025. Uh, Oregon's QB room has drastically changed now in a span of about two weeks from what it could have been, what it looked like it was going to be, to now an entirely different outlook that's probably a lot healthier and a lot better than what we were expecting it to be.
0: I'll take the probably away. I mean, it absolutely is. I mean, I'd I'd have to go and do a look around the country. I can't imagine there are many more healthy quarterback rooms in the country right now because Oregon has kind of done the two timeline things that you see pro sports teams do, right, where you've got the older guy and the younger guys developing. And I think this is going to play out wonderfully. I think and if you're an Oregon fan, you now have the comfort of knowing you have a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate in 2024 in Dylan Gabriel, and then waiting in the wings is the guy you wanted all along last cycle, right? Like, there probably wasn't a player in the portal when it opened that, aside from Walter Nolan, I guess, that that Oregon fans would be more excited about landing, in part because he is the number three ranked player in 24-7's transfer rankings, and also because this is a guy you had a ton of experience with. You knew a lot about him. He was committed. You watched his huddle tape probably dozens of times if you were an Oregon fan during his recruitment, because you were just so fired up about what he was. And you were heartbroken last year when he flipped at the last moment to UCLA. And now he's back, and he is going to be your guy. There's no more questions about it, right? Like, I would be stunned if he leaves after this year. That would be a very, very bizarre outcome. Like, it's pretty clear Dante Moore is going to be in Eugene through the best years of his college career. And that is something you have to be really excited about, because even though there were some ups and downs last year, as a true freshman, starting in the Pac-12 against some pretty good defenses. He's still that guy that you were really excited about not that long ago, less than a year ago, or a little bit more than a year ago, I should say. So um, I think this is one you should be really fired up about because you go from Heisman Trophy candidate Dylan Gabriel in 24 to handing it off to a guy who I think could get you back to that level in short order if he develops. And the fact that he's going to have a year to develop uh, this year as his redshirt year, with this coaching staff in this system i think that's that's a perfectly executed setup and i think dan and will and i'm sure everybody else over at the hdc are are doing cartwheels and, and high-fiving each other i know the oregon fan base is because i got probably more texts from excited Duck fans last night um than i've gotten over a recruitment in a in a very long time
1: yeah i think the the fact that they had a relationship with dante moore very clearly helped. Um, you know, I talked about this yesterday in the podcast, where these transfer portal recruitments and getting them on campus. Like, a lot of times there are some previous relationship, like they recruited, like a like Dan recruited guys in Georgia, he was DC or something like that. Excuse me, as my dog begins to bark as soon as I talk. Um, <laughs> anyways, but in a lot of these transfer portal situations, these are fresh relationships, these are new relationships, and this one was not. Uh, Dante Moore, obviously, was a long-time Oregon commit. committed in the summer of 2022 and then decommitted in uh, like December, January of 2022 or 2023. Um, or committed before January, signing day. But was really late in the cycle. And so he held that commitment. He held those couple months with Dan Lanning as a relationship and other guys who are on Oregon staff currently. Um, obviously, Kenny Dillingham has left, but Will Stein is a guy who runs a very similar offense to Kenny Dillingham. We just watched it throughout the last uh, the last season here. And it's an easy offense to learn. And it's an, an easy offense to get ahead of it and get some easy throws and some easy reads. And I think that that'll help Dante more in the future. Um, I think a lot of his struggles at UCLA were honestly just inexperience at points. Um, a poor offensive line, uh, Chip Kelly's offense that when it's run really well is great. Like when DTR was in his final season at UCLA, he had complete command of that offense, but it took, you know, three or four years for him to really get to that level. Um, and to trust Dante Moore right off the bat shows his talent level that he was potentially capable of figuring out the offense, but it's also a tough ask when it's that detailed and uh, really hard to hard concepts and, you know, hard to learn under Chip Kelly because of how, how nuanced it is and how many, Uh, options there will be, Um, and I think what Will Stein's offense does really well is it makes things easy for a quarterback, and that's why Nick's you saw develop even more in his final season in Oregon. Um, I think that's why you saw Nick's turn into the player that he – that honestly not a lot of people thought he would ever become in his first season at Oregon because of how simple um, the reads and the options were at Kenny Dillingham's offense. So I'm excited to see what Dante Moore can do. Uh, I don't think that program has – other than through normal recruiting – I don't think a program has done this in the portal yet where they've gotten like a clear, hey, this is going to be our one year guy. And then we're going to bring in a really talented kid for the next two or three seasons after it. I don't like obviously they do it in normal recruiting sure. Um, where they'll bring in the five star kid because I know their starting quarterback this year is going to leave after next year. And then hopefully they'll be ready. Um, but I think it's one of the first ones that I've seen in the portal. And I think it's uh, a very ideal situation if you're an Oregon Duck fan, because you you now know what you're going to get. Um, there's no longer this idea of like, all right, so if he leaves, we're just going back in the portal. Like like what it was going to be with Bo right. Nicks if he had left after his uh, fourth season of college football, where it's like, we have Ty Thompson. I think at the time they might've still had Jay Butterfield, but it's like, do, do we trust this? Is this really what we're going to do? Because it feels like we're just going to go right back into the portal, um, which is what Oregon did this year. But now with Dante Moore having these three years of eligibility left, um, he's going to have – the future is there. And people are now going to know what's at the quarterback position for Oregon and come join the ship because they know that they have a talented kid.
2: I think there's an underrated aspect of this too for next season is Dylan Gabriel has shown that he – has gotten hurt multiple times in his career. And now all of a sudden, like if if worst case scenario happens and something happens to Dylan Gabriel where he can't play in a game or maybe he can't play for two weeks, uh, you no longer are asking a quarterback whoever it would be, whether it was Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad or Luke Moga, who will sign with Oregon on Wednesday. None of those guys have been – like a starting quarterback. None of them have started a game at quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, if something happens, worst case scenario with, with Gabriel, you, you look at your backup quarterback and say, oh, Dante Moore, he has played in nine games already in college. He started five of them at the power five level. He's got some, some kind of experience, especially coming as the backup in two games and being the guy to replace someone who isn't performing well or starting or, or is hurt. That's an incredibly invaluable, just feather in your cap for Oregon in the 2024 football season. Like I, I think the expectation for Oregon is that they probably try and red shirt Dante more. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Just, just for the off chance that for whatever reason, he wants to play three years of college football. But I think the reality is, is that if he's as good as we think he is, as good as he think he is, and I'm sure as Oregon thinks he is, if he balls out in 2025 and comes back in 2026 and does it again, he's probably gone after that season. He could be gone after the, the 2025 season. But you mm-hmm. still redshirt that 2024 year and the off chance that he wants to Maybe play three seasons of college ball. Like I don't know how many people thought Bo Nix would play twice uh, at two years at Oregon um, when he first signed. And you know things change, plans change, and so I I think I would think the plan is to keep his redshirt intact for 2024. But in the event that you can't, at least you've got some quality of a backup that, to Jared's point, they just haven't had last couple of seasons and and
0: my point is going to be back to your backup point nobody really has this luxury I mean very few teams Um, do I'd have to go do again a a real deep dive around the country to find the best backup situation in college football but this has to be close to it and this is what teams pre-portal did every year right I mean you think about what Alabama did having Tua come in for Jalen Hurts like and and I know that's kind of a a different scenario That's an outlier situation where you have two future NFL starting quarterbacks on your roster but those situations happened pre-Portal because players mm-hmm. would hang out and wait for their turn and that just doesn't really happen now. So the fact that Oregon could theoretically go from Gabriel to a player that has starting experience from UCLA, that's, that's extremely invaluable. And again, you hope it doesn't. You're knocking on wood hoping that's not an outcome you have to get to. But if you do and more is forced into action, you feel a heck of a lot better about that outcome than, what you felt this last year, where it would be Ty Thompson, as much as I think we've thought Ty had improved, I think it's pretty clear Dante Moore is a better player than Ty Thompson. And if they hadn't added Dante Moore, and it was maybe Austin Nova as the backup in twenty twenty four, I'm assuming because Ty is already in the portal, like you feel a heck of a lot better about Dante Moore than Austin Nova So, regardless, this is a a, lux- a luxury to have a backup quarterback of this caliber, both in the short term, obviously, and then the big luxury is in the long-term where you now have that safety net of knowing you've got your quarterback. And to Jared's point, you can recruit around him now for the future cycles.
1: Yeah. I was trying to think of teams that had um, like that type of backup quarterback situation, but knowingly had it. And I could really only think of like, um, I Like in with Trevor Lawrence and DJ Uiagalelei, but you don't, you didn't, you didn't know that DJ Uiagalelei was going to be good or not because he was a true freshman. It was the same thing. I thought the other one that I thought of was Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams for that lone year. Um, but you also didn't know what Caleb Williams was going to be because he was a true freshman then. Um, and theoretically, you don't really know what Dante Moore is going to be because what he did at UCLA is going to be different than what he did or what he's going to do at Oregon. But um, I think it's a, it's an upward pointing arrow, even though his season at UCLA wasn't good. It's just, I think that the scheme fits it better. I think um, that he's going to be able to learn a lot under Dylan Gabriel. And I think he's going to be able to learn a lot under Will Stein. Um, and if you're Oregon, you hope that Will Stein sticks around for the duration of Dante Moore's career. And you know, you'd like to see him there for a long time, but that's probably not going to happen because he's good, at, good at his job. But um, my final thoughts is, a, a lot of credit here to Dante Moore. Um, this is a really, honestly, probably a very difficult decision because I, I don't know for a fact, but I can assume, and I think it's a pretty fair assumption, that there were schools who were probably offering him a starting spot wherever he wanted to go and probably for more money than Oregon was offering, even though I don't know what Oregon offered, what he's going to get at Oregon. I'll, obviously, he's going to get some financial compensation, but there were probably schools who... A really needed a quarterback and B also understood how good Dante Moore could become if he puts it all together, but he's elected to sit out and probably redshirt to Matt's point earlier for this next season and just learn and try to benefit or try to better himself as a player um, on the field, off the field, wherever the case may be and become the best version of himself. And I think that's a really hard thing for a, Nineteen-year-old kid to do. Um, I don't think I would have done that at a, as a nineteen-year-old. I think I, if I were in his shoes, I would have chased wherever I really wanted to go and went there. Um, but I think it goes back to the pre-existing relationship with Dan Lanning and some of the people on the offensive side of the ball, where he felt comfortable enough with this decision that it was for the him and the or best for him in the long run. And I agree. I think it's a very mature decision. I'd, I'd like to give a lot of credit for him to making that because it's, that's not easy. And um, for, especially for his caliber of player that there were probably a lot of options, a lot of, I, I don't know. I don't want to say temptations cause that sounds weird, but temptations to go and play at a different school for more money and maybe not um, see the progress in his career and the growth that he expects to see. So
2: that's, those are my final thoughts on Dante Moore. Real quick. I, it does create the addition. Does create? There's always two sides of the coin. The excitement of the addition of Dante Moore, but it does now create what does Austin Nova Sad do? You know, it opens that opens that door again for for Oregon. Um, Luke Moga has already said Iron sh- sharpens Iron on on social media. He's expected to be with the football team in a matter of days um, or a week, uh, but. I just want to, you know, we don't need to speculate if he's going to go or not, but I just want to put that out there. There's two sides to every coin. You're, you're adding a guy in the same class now who's more talented than also Novosad was coming out of high school. Um, obviously, Novosad will have the advantage of the year in the system, but it creates another something to watch, at least.
0: I had a weird thought last night and it's kind of a stupid question, but I wanted to bring it up. MoGa supposedly is enrolling now ish, like soon. Yeah. He's gonna be taking part in bull prep. He can't play in the fiesta bowl, right? I don't think so. I don't okay. believe so. The only reason I asked is hypothetically if Austin Novisat entered the portal, would could Moga be your backup quarterback in the Fiestable again? I, I, I think I Thomas, think, baby. I think yes. the answer is no. <laughs> but Rock I just Thomas, I just wanted to bring up the hypothetical because I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility Nova said portals, and that might not be this month. It might wait till after Fiesta Bowl just to get maybe some reps for himself. But I, again, I don't want to speculate too much, but the speculation is already out there that he probably will take a look, and it would make sense if he does. But who knows? We thought Ty Thompson was going to be in the portal a couple of different times, and he, he waited until it was very clear he wasn't going to be the guy.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, I guess that'd be the easy way out. Um, we'll see. I think he'd be more likely to portal after spring football, if no one like seeing Dante Moore in competition and seeing Luke Moga in competition, kind of figuring out where he is in all of this. Um, I I don't know. Like it wouldn't shock me, um, but I just kind of feel like it's more of an easy way out than anything else, which, you know, that that's fine. I mean, he can go and be a – a potential starter at a, at a G5 level school. Um, he's certainly talented, and, um, I mean, from all accounts that we've heard, he, he definitely improved throughout the course of the season. He's a Will Stein's guy, um, but he's still technically in a competition with Dante Moore. You can't just necessarily crown it to Moore, even though he's the more talented, uh, just, like, natural player. But um, it, just, sure, like, I, I could see him going in the portal. I just feel like it's uh, kind of lame. I don't know, to just, like, immediate like, oh, someone, someone's coming. I'm out. See you. Goodbye.
2: Transition now to the other addition to the class, the fourth portal ad. Um, Matthew Bedford. This is a guy, like, I don't know how many people that covered Oregon football, whether it's with us, three or twenty-four-seven sports, or the other networks out there, or the other media outlets that are in the Oregon market, knew he was even on campus this past weekend. Um, I didn't. I don't. I don't know if anyone really ever reported he was going to be here. Um, but the Indiana multi-positional starter, I guess, is how we describe him um, along the offensive line, uh, has committed to Oregon. Flipped. From Colorado, he was going to go play for the Buffs for his final year of eligibility. Ducks got him out to Eugene for an official visit this past weekend. And then he, kind of similar to what Jared said, like came out and admitted, like I made a very rushed emotional decision committing to Colorado. And I am going to back off that. I thank them, but I'm going to Oregon. And you add a massive human being who's like, Six six three twenty or so and he has started at like i think four different positions he has 600 starts at left tackle he's got like 600 starts at right guard um this is a guy that for oregon's purposes in 2024 comes in and can basically play any position but center but it wouldn't even surprise me because these these guys typically have that ability that they play all over the place to play that spot as well. But you add a piece that has starter experience, the power five level uh, is someone that can play multiple positions and is out of the program by the end of 2024 season. So it doesn't impact anything you wanted to do in the 2025 class, which is huge. This
0: guy's played a ton of football. Like he was Indiana's starting left tackle in 2019. (laughs) <laughs> like to put it into perspective. He's been around. I think he has over 2,700 snaps in his career based on PFF. Um, and Oregon had a clear need here at right guard. Could theoretically have a need at center, um, depending upon if they feel comfortable enough handing the reins off to Ayapani Lalalu, which I think they do from everything we've heard, and we'll get a sense of that probably post Fiesta Bowl, because he should be starting that game of of what his progress looks like at that position. But They needed a right guard with Stephen Jones graduating finally, and they're going to replace him with another really experienced, really large human being who has positional versatility. Like It's not a Stephen Jones clone. He's a little bit slighter of build. I think he's a little bit more explosive, Um, but it's a guy who certainly does a lot of the same sort of things and provides you with a really, really big anchor there who can, again, get out and like Steven showed towards the end of the season, pulled and kind of lead lead block there on run plays and, and also holds up pretty well in pass protection. So um, I, I think it's a really nice addition. I think you slot him in at right guard pretty easily. That's where he was playing last year, which was his best year, according to PFF. He was also an All-Big Ten Honorable Mention this past season, um, as well as in 2021. 2022, he missed basically the whole season, I think, with a knee injury um so the last two times this guy was a able to finish the season he was an all big 10 honorable mention selection at two different positions on the offensive line so i i to matt's point i think it's a big win um i was sort of perplexed a bit yesterday about it because we also thought maybe caden green the oklahoma transfer might end up at oregon but he has since committed to missouri and it makes it pretty clear that that bedford is the guy there and i don't know if oregon takes another portal offensive lineman i think you've got somebody here who pretty clearly fills your need and is a really high-end player who's been is entering his sixth year of college football. So um, obviously it's not the sexy name like Dante Moore, but I think this is just another, another plug-and-play addition by the Ducks in the portal, which is which is huge this time of year.
1: Yeah, there's no complaining about this, ad. Um I think he's going to be a, a solid right guard. I don't think he'll be seeing much of tackle. I and mean, He's only played in four games at tackle since 2020. Um, like one of or one or two of them were a start. It looked like the other ones were kind of spot duty where somebody got injured. But that's a nice thing to have in your rotation of offensive linemen and of positional versatility, which is something that, you know, Coach Mirabal and Mario Cristobal preached is something that Elite Terry has preached, uh, even Adrian Clem during his short stint of the positional versatility in the offensive line. So um, checks that box for, for Oregon and what they look for in the offensive line. Um, but like Matt said, this is a big boy. He's big, 6'6", 320. Um, that's what you need in the in the when you're moving to the Big Ten. Um, he's going to fill that Stephen Jones role really well. Uh, like Eric said, when just watching his some of his tape, um, he looked a little bit more explosive. Um, I'm certain that you know another another year off of that knee injury is only going to help him. Um, and they have a huge gap at right guard right now. Um, I do like the prospect of Dave Ayuli to to, to kind of go in there and fill in, but. If he's going to be your sixth man, theoretically, he's going to fill like the Poncho spot this upcoming season. I think that you're in really good shape there. Um, As for like other transfer portal additions through the for the offensive line, wouldn't shock me if they got just guys for depth, um, depending on if there are players who leave and who enter the transfer portal um, further down the line, like after the bowl game or even in the spring. Um, Kind of similar to what they did last season with Junior Angolau and then the late addition of. uh, my brain is not working right now. Nashad Struther. Uh, Nashad Struther. That late edition, like something like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I think that this is a, a really good one. And I think Caden Green would have been also a great selection. He's obviously very talented in his own right and is really young, which makes him even more of a luxury. But you know, final year of eligibility, I think that that that's okay because you're gonna have guys that you feel comfortable with who have yet another year of Uh, development behind him and don't have to rush them into a starting spot. Don't have have to rush them into, um, you know, like a sixth or seventh man off the bench situation. So, and there are some guys we talked about this, or I think I talked about this yesterday in the podcast where a lot of the guys that elite Terry has brought on and not again, no fault of his own, but a lot of developmental guys, guys who have like some natural athleticism, some size, some strength, but need to learn how to play offensive line more. And this gives some of those guys another year of uh, development just because, uh, you know, he, this Indiana transfer is going to play right guard. They're not going to have to try to plug and play with, with some of their own guys. So I like the addition. Uh, obviously, again, it's up the Caden Green, but um, big boy who has a lot of starting experience in the Big Ten uh, It's tough to really turn down.
2: Also gives you a little bit of protection if you lose – like a McCroy to Colorado, who's trying to flip him, um, as a tackle prospect. Um, it, it gives you better depth. Uh, I I don't know who would play more if Caden Green or or Bedford was, you know, between those two, but yeah, at least add a guy that's, that's, that's successful at, at multiple positions and it protects you from an injury standpoint. And to Jared's point, it allows some of these younger guys to develop and they've got a bunch of them. They've got a couple coming in this class um, as well. Fox crater, we should note was invited to the army all American bull today. So you're adding a, a, an all American offensive lineman. That's a high school guy that, you know, different positions, but you don't have to rely on Fox unless he's, absolutely has to, you know, needs to play because of his talent forces it. Trent Ferguson's another one of those guys that Jared's talking about as a developmental player. Um, it's, it's just one of those gets that I don't like what you guys said. It's not a sexy name. It's not a sexy ad, but it's one that this time next year we could be talking about, wow, like Oregon's offensive line dealt with a couple injuries in 2024. And if they hadn't added this guy and his position versatility, like, where would they be? Would they be in the Big Ten championship game? Would they have been a, a college football playoff contender? Um, the, these are the type of ads that don't get any discussion like the Dante Moore one, but quite honestly carry just as much significance.
0: So I project now left to right, and this is assuming Johnny is back. Sure. Connerly, Harper, Poncho, Bedford, and a Johnny is there any argument there? Cause I think that sounds awfully good. And if a Johnny's back, I think this gives you an opportunity to be, I don't know if you're Joe Moore award, semifinalist, good again, cause Jackson was obviously True. the best center in the country, but or Joe Moore finalist, I should say. Um, but I think you could be one of the better offensive line groups in the big 10. And that's saying a ton considering mm-hmm. how good that conference is. So, um, I don't know. Do you guys have any other thoughts on if you'd move other players around? I think it's pretty straightforward right now. And the only quibble I would have is if it comes to the point where they go, Poncho maybe isn't ready to be the starting center. I don't know if there's a player on the roster they really can transition to the play there, unless it's Marcus Harper. Harper. Um, and that's where I would say maybe if, if it's like, oh, we get through the Fiesta Bowl, you get through some of spring, you go, maybe, maybe we have to go find an experienced center if one's out there. But I think right now, to me, this – is a pretty clear cut starting five for the start of 2024, um, barring things changing. And we should also acknowledge like what happens with the shot Strother. Maybe he gets back to full health and is ready to, to push for a starting job and mm-hmm. competes and wins the job or, you know, somebody emerges. But the five I just said, I think is is what you're going to be looking at for 2024. And I think you should be pretty excited by it. Yeah, I
1: don't have, I don't have any argument with that. I think that's exactly what it should be. Um, I think the, the Poncho thing, if it, if it doesn't work out, then maybe it's Harper because we do know that Harper spent yeah. all of fall camp last year, this past season, going through and practicing at center. Um, yeah, spring ball too. Know, moving spring ball as well. So he has uh, some experience there, only practice experience, while Poncho has a little bit of game experience and will then have a lot of game experience in the Fiesta Bowl. But I think that would be like the obvious name. Um, maybe Strother is a guy who – uh, is another, like, they work on him with being a center uh, mm-hmm. during the off season could, like, similar build to Harper and a little bit of Poncho, um, but I think Poncho's the guy moving forward, it's just, can he be a center, which uh, is a lot, is a lot, lot harder than what people think it is, um, and losing Jackson, obviously, is going to hurt, but for what we've seen of Poncho, he was pretty damn good as a freshman, so,
2: and he'll likely only get better from here on out and in, in that event if harper does slide over i think poncho just slides yeah, take, yeah he just moves on. to left yeah yeah exactly so, like the names are are the same it's just the positions where they're at um i only wonder if if they if, if they do go portal um it could be to find a center to find someone to if if poncho's not ready but i think he's going to be I do too. But maybe there there could be some interest in maybe just solidifying some long-term depth, similar to what they did with QB, is see if you can find a talented prospect who's got multiple years of eligibility that can play tackle. Because mm-hmm. if a Johnny does come back, which I think we all expect he does, he's still gone in 2025. Uh, uh george silva will be a senior as well next season so he graduates um i think there's a very good chance that josh connelly goes pro after the 2024 football season yeah and um ope uh, poncho's older brother will also be a senior and now all of a sudden you've got a position where the tackles there's I like the starting two tackles. Um, I think Ope is solid, but I don't know if he's where Oregon needs to be from an offensive line standpoint If Connolly got hurt. Maybe he is, but what's behind their starters, there's, there's a void and you could hit, you could, you could use to hit the portal, but can you, the, the question becomes, do you need to hit the portal or, do you have confidence that you can find a high school player to be that player? I think that's kind of what they were envisioning, Jordan Seton to be, and probably Fox Crater to an ascent a degree as well. Is play a little bit as a freshman, be ready for sophomore.
0: And this is why I really liked the prospects of Caden Green because I think he thinks his best position is tackle, and he was forced to play guard at Oklahoma, and he would have been, you know, theoretically at Oregon a guard this year, but in twenty twenty five. Would have been one of your starting offensive tackles, like, hypothetically, if that would have happened. So that's why I was really into that because there was some long term um, benefit as well. And to Matt's point, yeah, like I have no idea who the starting offensive tackles in 2025 are going to be. Like it could be like Kavika Rogers and Jaquan McRoy, like based upon who's currently on the roster or something. So um, yeah, maybe they do do that. If there's a guy out there who's willing to be patient and go to Oregon and sit, you grab him. But that's a really specialty. Situation because probably that player is in the portal because they want more playing time or a different kind of playing time, and Oregon can't really offer anything immediate to somebody at tackle. Assuming a Johnny and well, obviously Josh is back.
1: Yeah, I think the the best odds of Oregon finding a offensive tackle who has years of eligibility and is young and is good as through recruiting and uh, trying to find some guys during the class of twenty twenty five or. Maybe find him in the class of 2024 in a couple of days on signing day um, or, you know, future signing day down the road. But um, like Eric said, a guy guy like Caden Green did not leave Oklahoma to not play. And he's, you know, one of the best rated prospects in the transfer world. He was a top 100 kid coming out of high school. Um, He's going to go to Missouri because Missouri is going to offer him an opportunity probably to play tackle. And which is where he thinks he will be best at, which if he is really good at tackle, he's going to make a lot more money as a tackle than he is as a guard. Um, but there's certainly some question marks at tackle moving forward. Um, there's another year of development. I know Kaviko Rogers has actually kind of surprised me. It looks like he's, he's the first option off the bench, uh, at least this past season, ahead of Silva, um, like ahead of a lot of other people as a, as a tackle. Um, So maybe he is the starting tackle in 2025, but um, I'm sure Oregon is going to look to try to uh, solidify that role and give them a couple more options going down the line.
2: All right. That's going to do it for this special, I guess we'll call it special edition of uh, the odds and audibles podcast. We'll be back um, Wednesday afternoon. Um, We'll discuss we're going to have, we're going to have a guest on the show the talk National Signing Day for Oregon. And then Thursday's show, um, will be back, and we will dive into all the heavy lifting of the results of what happens on Wednesday. So for your reaction show from a signing day perspective, that will come um, Thursday morning. Uh, we'll have an interview Wednesday as the news trickles in. and then, It's a big
0: guest. Can we just say it's a really big guest? Yeah. You'll want to listen tomorrow.
1: Yeah. In charge of a lot of things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, But until that interview, uh, you've been listening to the Oz and podcast.
1: Talk to you
0: later, folks. Peace.